So hi everyone. Um, uh, obviously, everyone in my class knows me. My name is Gavin McDade. I'm a, a student here on the master's course uh, of law and technology at Queen's University in Belfast. Uh, have on the line here um, all the way from Dallas. Is that right, Jack? You're from you're in Dallas yeah. at the moment. Dallas, yes, for the week. Dallas, Dallas Texas. Um, uh, is Jack Shee, who is the founder of uh, Unlock DeFi and uh, the project Neo Nexus, which we'll hear more about in a second. So with that said, Jack, um, thanks for joining us. Uh, over to you, if you wouldn't mind just uh, explaining for everyone just a bit about your background and particularly your credentials as well, because I think a lot of people think that people in the crypto space or NFT space are these kind of like, you know, money hungry fiends, like with, you know, um, not much of an academic background or a solid like, <laughs> You know, yeah. professional background. So, be good to yeah. hear your background is for everyone as well, Jack. Please. I I, I mean I, I'm pretty academic. I've I've been a, a huge nerd my whole life. But in terms of credentials, <laughs> uh, I I double majored in math and computer science at Columbia University. I worked Amazing. in um uh, financial institutions on Wall Street for several years. After that, uh, as as basically a, a senior developer. Uh, you know, programmer working under uh, commodities, architecture, and fixed income teams. Uh, in between that, I, I kind of quit my job at one point and, and uh, spent like two and a half months cycling across the country, across the U.S. And you know, I didn't work for a year. And eventually, I, I quit that industry uh, because I, I didn't feel enough fulfillment and, and meaning in my life. I didn't feel like I was helping society and the world in any significant way. And I decided to dedicate my life to doing that. And so I actually uh, in, enrolled in, in the oldest uh, school for massage therapy in the country, uh, the Swedish Institute of Massage with over 100 years of history uh, based in New York, which is also the hardest state to get licensed and then qualified to be a massage therapist. So I did that for two years and I started working uh, as a massage therapist, just like really having the exact opposite of what I felt was, was missing in my previous career, which was a direct impact and direct connection to people I was working with. And just like just this level of trust of someone who trusts you enough to lay their naked bodies in front of you and for you to heal their aches and pains. Uh, you know, some people who maybe have had back pain for years come to you and then within an hour it's gone and, and they're so grateful. And then you actually like can see the impact and change and positivity uh, effect that you have on some, some people's lives. And, you know, that, that's something that meant so much more to me than, than a professional career that meant so much more to me than, than money. And, um, you know, uh, when I cycled across the country, that was for uh, raising money for multiple sclerosis as well. We, we visited uh, clinics and, and MS patients along the way and handed them checks and listened to their stories and helped them with, with work and things like that. I, I lead uh, hikes in some of my free time, which is uh, increasingly uh, very little <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah. very little free time these days. But yeah, you know, I, I, I like to lead hikes for free and, and meeting people of different ages and then careers, uh, you know, hikes from 10 miles to 50 miles in a single day, right? And, uh, you know, I volunteered as, as well. So, so uh, I was working as a massage therapist and, and I felt like that wasn't enough either. And so I basically decided to go to physical therapy school uh, to help people even more, especially to, to potentially work with athletes in the endurance sports industry, which was something that I am an amateur in. I, I like to run, I like to hike, I like to rock climb, I like to cycle. And um, so uh, I, I, uh, you know, I, I don't have that background. So I, I took two semesters of, of um, prerequisite classes at community college in order to qualify and volunteer for, I don't know, 50 to 100 hours. I forget the exact number at a clinic in order to just have the basic prerequisites to even apply for one school. 
uh, for physical therapy. And, and so I applied to the Hunter College uh, Doctorate of Physical Therapy program, which is a very hard program to get into. I, I went and completely crushed the, the interview, did very, very well. And, uh, you know, they, they enrolled me. And I was literally uh, almost halfway through that nine semester program uh, towards becoming a doctor of physical therapy when I quit uh, two months ago uh, to start this company. And, you know, it was it was a big decision, but it was the right decision. I sort of felt like um, there was these three waves happening at the same time. Uh, crypto was becoming healthier with Bitcoin leading the charge. Uh, NFT volume was insane on OpenSea, which probably still has like 90% of, of like uh, uh, NFT trading volume. You know, uh, that month, it, it was more than 10x the volume of the month before. You know, I looked at that and I was like, this is the beginning of a huge wave. And then you look at Solana, the number of users going to Solana, the number of subscribers on Solana Reddit, the number of posts about Solana, the number of followers on Solana Twitter, the number of projects maturing on Solana, the amount of funds moving to Solana, the, the amount of, of user wallets being created on Solana. So, so I, I'm a numbers guy. I, I like to look at data. And the data was telling yeah. me crypto was healthy, that NFTs were exploding, and Solana was taking off as a rocket ship because it is sort of the future technology of the entire world. And, and I, I, you know, in the sort of several or few years leading up to that point of me quitting the, my, my education and my job as a massage therapist to pursue this company, you know, I have gained a, a huge amount of knowledge of, of crypto. And, you know, coming from a background of math and computer science and finance, I had the right fundamentals in order to understand and then sort of like quickly learn uh, sort of the ins and outs of this space. Uh, you know, I, I bought my first Bitcoin in, in 2013 and, you know, just kind of bought and sold, bought and sold, right? So didn't make any money, like probably like a few hundred bucks, right? Over the years. And, yeah, and you know, yeah. I wasn't like really, really deep into it until about 2017 when, uh, you know, I started getting serious about Ethereum and, and DeFi applications and trying all these different sort of uh, DeFi applications. And, uh, you know, I, w I was like, wow, you know, Bitcoin is, is huge, changing the world. And, and so is Ethereum. Like this thing is going to be massive, like the internet of money and what you can program money to do. And, and so uh, I, went, I went really deep into Ethereum. I invested something like $25,000 or something like that into, into sort of Ethereum and, and DeFi applications. Uh, but, you know, so that 25000 went to like 40000 at one point and then uh, or, or even more than that. And, uh, you know, but I invested in too many ICOs back then. You know, I'm sure I'm sure you've heard about ICOs and all the legal yeah. trials with them as well. And, yeah. uh, you know, most of those ICOs went down to zero. So between like 2018, when the market started to correct and then to the uh, COVID crash of 2020, that $40,000 went all the way down to $3,000, right? But <laughs> like uh, my, my foresight was that, you know, this is not something that you sell, right? Like, um, so, so a lot of people sold and I just kept holding on. And then, you know, 2020 crypto started uh, uh, sort of recovering, like, and people started realizing like, this is the ideal situation for Bitcoin and for crypto as, as sort of this, this hedge against, uh, uh, you know, government printed money and, and things like that. And crypto started to recover and the market started to, to blossom. All the companies and projects that kept building throughout the, the years of bear market, right? They started coming out and being uh, actually usable. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I got it back in, like I, I was spending something between 10 to 30 hours a week uh, studying crypto uh, on yeah. top of my, my job and, and school and things like that and, and, and finance and NFTs and just really, really, really understanding it. And, and so I made good decisions. And then that $3,000 uh, basically recently became like $100,000. Okay. And uh, wow. throughout that journey, 
uh, about three months ago, I, I was like, okay, it's time for me to really, really understand Solana as well. You know, I had known about Solana since maybe like February, March, um, but, um, and Solana is less than two years old at this point, right? And, and you know, but, but I didn't really try it. And I like to actually try the, the things I'm investing in. I like to research it. I like to understand the technology, at least on a basic level as a tech guy. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, you know, some of the smartest people that I respect in the world are, are, are moving to Solana and saying good things about Solana. I really need to learn what makes it special. And so I basically uh, created a, a Solana wallet and, and, uh, and I invested something like $8,000 of my money over uh, a few weeks and, and yeah. uh, started uh, playing around with Solana DeFi applications at first and then investing in Solana NFTs. And I got really, really, really good at it. And, and, you know, just sleepless nights, you know, sleeping four hours a night, just grinding and learning as much as I can, listening to Discord comments. And it's not just technology, but it's also consumer behavior, right? It's also market data research. It's also sentiment, right? And, and seeing trends and what people value. And, and so um, that $8,000 I invested into Solana and Solana NFTs, uh, Solana itself was skyrocketing, right? So, so that $8,000 also within something like four weeks, became worth more than a hundred thousand dollars right wow. so so in four weeks and, and so at that point I was like okay uh, you know a lot of people think they know what they're doing what this money is telling me is that I know I know what I'm doing and and you know I, I think I understand this space I think I'm one of the experts in this space and and that's when I basically uh, called a few friends of mine that I had talked to uh, about six or seven months before that point and I was like hey guys remember when we got together I got us together and we talked about maybe one day doing an NFT project. Uh, you know, at that time, some of those ideas became NeoNexus. And, and at that time, we decided now was not the right time and place to do it. It wasn't, it wasn't clear which, which blockchain to launch it on. And so we kind of tabled it. And we were like, hey, let's wait for an Ethereum layer 2 to emerge that was like cheap and fast and, and usable and, and had good wallets and, and had a lot of users. And so we just were waiting for, for like the optimism or, or the Arbitrum or the immutable X of the worlds to mature. And we were waiting, waiting, waiting. And eventually it, it, it kind of struck me that, you know, Solana is the answer, right? Not, not, not Ethereum, not Ethereum layer two, not anything else. Like Solana is the answer, it's the best answer. You know, it, it makes the least compromises. It is the only solution if you want to make a, a better PayPal, a better memo, a, you know, a better Amazon of the future. The only way to do that right now is to build it on Solana. And, and so I got my friends back together again. I was like, hey guys, you know, this is time. Like this is the right time to do this. We have this tidal wave of three converging waves and I want to ride this wave all the way to the top. And, and, you know, I think we're the right people to do this. You know, I am an expert in the space and you each have such unique skill sets that, that can help us succeed. You know, I can't do this alone. Uh, and and not, none of us can do this alone, right? And, and, and Solana is the right place to do this, right? So, so I thought, you know, you know, we were the right people. This was the right time and this was the right place. And so literally, uh, you know, I, I dropped out of school. Uh, a huge, huge surprise to my, to my friends and family. Just like it was a huge surprise to everyone when I dropped out of uh, work to to bike across country, right? I mean, or or to drop out of yeah, work to be yeah. a massage therapist, right? Like that's just what I do, right? Like when, when I yeah, when, yeah. when I am so passionate about something, I just have to do it because I know that if I don't do it, I will regret it, right? I will regret it for the rest of my life. And and so I invested my own money into this company. We we spun it up. Uh, it was basically all my own investment. I haven't taken any investment from from other people. Uh, nobody else on my team owns a single percent of the of the company, and, and basically within eight weeks we went from nothing to to over twenty people spread out across five countries. We went from no users to fifteen thousand fans. We went from no revenue to over three million. Right, 
We went from nobody knew us on Solana to literally having the largest uh, auction ever achieved on Solana, right? All within two months, right? All within two months. And, and we're just getting started. And the beautiful thing about crypto is, like you said earlier, like Jack, what are your credentials? Well, <laughs> crypto doesn't care about credentials, right? It, it cares about competence, right? The, the reason we were able to do this in two months is because we are good at what we do, right? And, and, and the results show, show that fact, right? So, so a lot of the skills that I have in, in running this company and being a good CEO and, and building up our, our social media presence and, and judging people's character and, and hiring, hiring decisions and, and inspiring and leading my team, a lot of whom are, you know, were willing to do work for us for free, right? Because we couldn't afford to pay them until we had sold products. You know, a lot of those skills are impossible to put down on a resume and impossible to appreciate by a traditional company. But we are not a traditional company, right? Like we are the company of the future. You know, I, I think what happened was if you look at the dot-com boom during that era, you know, the, the big companies of the world were asleep, right? The Exxon Mobiles, the AT&Ts, the Verizons of that time, they were all asleep, right? And and the new age companies like like the Googles and, and, and Amazons and, and Apples and Microsofts of the world, they took over, right? They took over. And, and I see that happening again. Right? I see that happening again. I, I think all the biggest companies of the world are asleep. I'm talking about uh, the, the, the Apples and, and the Amazons and the Teslas even of, of this world. I think they're asleep. And just like how those companies became the largest companies in the world, you know, in the 20 to let's say 30 years since the dot-com boom, right? I think the companies like us will become the biggest companies in the world in 20 to 30 years from now, because there's just matters of scale that, that they cannot achieve that we can, right? Just like a, a, a technology company can build a piece of software and have that software be duplicated a billion times and have a billion people use that and basically explode and expand at that speed that a hardware or accessory or physical merchandise company cannot, uh, we can do that same thing uh, inside crypto. Like the, the, the amount of, of sort of network effects and community growth uh, that we can achieve uh, within our space, I, I think I think I think it will shock the world, uh, honestly. But um, yeah, I've been rambling yeah, yeah. on for enough. Yeah, uh, no, that's that's absolutely fantastic, Jack. I really appreciate it. Um, I think Megan's joined us now. So, hi, Megan. Thanks for joining. Hi, how um, are you? Sorry for the late bit technical issues. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, yeah, so Megan, meet Jack. Jack's, uh, well, well, he's just been telling us what he's what he's doing. He's the founder of uh, uh, Unlock DeFi and Neo Nexus. Um, and Megan's my colleague, Jack, on, uh, on the master's course. Wonderful. Yeah, great. So, um, that's that. That summary, I'm getting some feedback. Megan, I don't know, maybe if you want to go on mute for a second. Let me see yeah, if it's side. Is that gone now? Still there? Oh, it, it's probably mine. Maybe it's maybe it's your oh, side, Jack. Yeah. Okay, Megan, it's fine if you're if you're not on mute. Sorry, I'm just checking who it was. No okay, so um yeah, so Jack, that leads us nicely on to uh, to basically really the first main question. And uh, uh, for everyone uh, in our class and in our team who, who are listening and who are watching, um, we're trying to discover what NFTs mean. And uh, naturally, as a, as a law institution and a law course, we're trying to find out um, what they will mean legally. But I think to start with, it would be good just if we, you can explain kind of your concept, Jack, of NeoNexus, which is kind of like an NFT world. Um, which is part of your company, Unlock DeFi. So perhaps you can just like explain a little bit about what that is for everyone. 
Yeah, so sure. Uh, uh, so very broadly, uh, just Unoccupy is just the name of our company, which is a basket of, of all the things, the wonderful things we're going to do in this world. Neonexus is sort of our, our first project and, and our main project where we spend most of our focus. Uh, I think what is Neonexus is actually three questions. It is what, what is Neonexus today? What is Neonexus uh, in the near term, the next two years? And what can Neonexus be uh, in, in the future, right? And I, I think the most amazing answer is the third answer, right? What is our ambition for what Neonexus could be in, in two to five to 10 to 20 years, right? And, and my vision for Neonexus is absolutely to be uh, the, the, the metaversal multi-layer reality of the future that, that you know, people are welcome to, to work and play and, and live and shop in, right? So, so, so what, is, what does that mean? You know, uh, when, when you when you wake up in the morning, I, I want Neonexus to be the first app that you open on your phone. When you log into your laptop, I want Neonexus to be the homepage of your browser. And I want you to be able to do everything in Neonexus, right? What, what do I mean by that? I, I mean, I want you to be able to go to school in Neonexus, right? Imagine having a virtual classroom uh, building inside Neonexus and you double click on that. And, and we use the latest uh, research uh, from, from math research uh, uh, um, uh, papers and, and sort of uh, software built by uh, some of these uh, companies that are specialized in online and remote learning, which especially with COVID, you know, they kind of had to uh, improve on. And we just have that in your Nexus and you're learning real real subjects like real math, right? And, and, and by participating in it, you can take tests in it and you can earn NFTs and skins and accessories in game for, for learning something that is real. Wow. And uh, with that knowledge, we can embed that uh, within our, our, our story, our gameplay, our, our mysteries, right? And that's just the education side. Imagine going to work in Neonexus. You know, imagine somebody hires you to sort of paint a mural for their building inside Neonexus or, or hires you to, to write a song for them or, or to perform, uh, you know, a piece of art for them all within Neonexus and you get paid in Seoul. So let's say that Seoul goes into your wallet and you now want to stake your Solana. So then you might wander over to the marinade uh, restaurant uh, you know, and, and then you double click on the marinade restaurant and it opens the, the marinade iframe UI and right with, within Neonexus, you can deposit your Solana in, into, into marinade and, and sort of uh, exchange that for MSOL, which is a staked uh, sort of uh, Solana that gives you interest uh, right within Neonexus. And then you want to hang out with your friends, right? So, so you fly over to sort of, uh, let's say the uh, RoboDAO uh, robot uh, clubhouse. You double click on that and all of a sudden you're in a room of 300 of your best friends hanging out, having a good laugh. And then you say, hey, guess what? I just bought this really cool NFT the other day, right? And then and then you, you do a few clicks of your wallet and, and immediately in front of you in 3D model of that NFT appears uh, between you and your friends. And you can look at that and admire that and sort of uh, share that. And then, and then you know, your, your friends are like, hey, I, I really like that. I want to buy one too. Where did you get it? And you're like, oh yeah, I just got that in that art gallery down the street in New Nexus, right? So he wanders off to that art gallery building down the street in Neonexus and he, he double clicks on that. And all of a sudden he's flying through this 3D art gallery uh, that was curated by the art gallery owner. And then every piece of artwork that he sees can be purchasable. So he just double clicks on that. And right within Neonexus, he buys that piece of artwork and it appears in his wallet. And then, and then you invite your friends to party. So then you wander off to, to maybe the concert hall. And then, you know, whether it is top-down view or AR or VR, you're seated in a giant uh, concert arena and, and watching somebody perform music live, right? Right within. Uh, Neonexus. So, so that is our vision for Neonexus eventually, like a place where, where that brings together all these kind of um, discrete services that we use every day, right? You know, the Twitters, the, the Discords, uh, the Zooms, the, the chats, uh, the video games of the world, uh, you know, the, the Twitches, uh, the emails, right? Like, let us try to integrate as much of that as possible into one cohesive experience so that we can really, really, really have a, 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 re a second reality uh, online that has the ability of not just gameplay, 
but but sort of real life of, of work. And in order to have real life and work, you need crypto, you need finance, right? You need some way to pay for things, right? And that's what integrating into Solana has, right? And you need some way of really, really owning things and using things, right? And that is what crypto NFTs allows you to do, right? So that is the, the future vision of New Nexus. But again, we are only two months old. So what do we have now, right? So, so what we have now is uh, we have now uh, basically sold three different products. Uh, one is Golden Tickets. And Golden Tickets are sort of a, a lifetime membership pass uh, to my team and to my company. It allows people to have uh, access to pre-sales and discounts of all the projects of ourselves and, and partners and, and clients as well. It allows you to attend real-life Golden Ticket parties uh, with me. We just had three in Texas, for example. Uh, we're planning ones in New York City and then Florida and, and Pittsburgh and, and uh, next year, a Europe tour, right? Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's sort of like this real life membership pass. And, uh, you know, you also get uh, free airdrops for life. We're promising at least one per month. Uh, but, but so far in the last month, we've given out four. And, and these airdrops can, you know, can be either 2D posters inside your building, inside Neo Nexus where you live, or they can be uh, sculptures or, or furniture, right? Or, 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 or weapons or, or vehicles or, or whatever you think of in the, real, in the real world, we can duplicate that uh, digitally and either sell that or give that to our fans and, and loyal supporters uh, uh, for free. So that's sort of like a basic, basic overview of, of Golden Tickets. And, and, the, and the, the crazy thing about Golden Tickets and NFTs is we can capture a percentage uh, of secondary sales for, for Golden Tickets, they're 5%. That means that you know, in the, if in the future, a golden ticket, let's say, is worth 100 Solana someday, and you sell that to your friend, we get almost five Solana on that sale, right? So, so it's absolutely in our own financial interest to give you guys as much value as possible, because the only way we can continue to make money off of golden tickets is if they're so valuable that you're trading them on secondary markets, and we keep collecting that, that royalty fee, right? So, so our interests are absolutely, absolutely in, uh, aligned. Uh, the other the other main product we, we have sold is residential properties. So these are beautiful uh, 3D uh, spinning uh, uh, buildings with sound that will be your future home, right? So, so the set was 2000, uh, we sold 1800 of it for money and uh, 200 of it we've reserved for like giveaways, contests, uh, collaborations, things like that. And the 1800 uh, were sold in 15 seconds. Uh, and that's because the smart contract itself was was very complicated. And, and you know, for, for all these mints, by the way, it's all of our own tech stack, all of our own servers, all of our own smart contracts, which pretty much no other team does. Only we do it because it, it is crazy to do it this way. It's expensive to do it this way. But if you're trying to build a company that lasts 100 years, this is the only way to do it, right? Uh, you know, whereas other projects, they're sometimes just trying to make money off of a few months and then just running away with your money, right? So so we're building the technology stack of the future as well. And and so... Amazing, so, yeah. It was, it was sold out in 15 seconds. And um, uh, honestly, if it was a simple smart contract with, with, that could run in parallel, I think it would have sold out in two seconds. At our peak, there was something about 12,000 people trying to buy per second, right? And we were only selling 1,800. So, so that was a, a major success in, in that sense. And, and you know, uh, by the end of the year, we will have stuff like a VR experience. We've shown the prototype. I, I think you've seen that, right, right Kim? Yeah, yeah, I've seen that, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. And, and we also uh, will have uh, AR for your phone, uh, downloadable 3D models. And this is the legal part that I think is very interesting. Like, like we want to sell things that you actually own. So, so when we give you the 3D model, we're giving you full commercial copyright, uh, you know, basically licensure to that model, which means we support your decision to use that model in your own artwork, into your own game, into your own movie, into your own metaverse. 
right? And you have our full support and you can sell all those things with our permission because we, we think we think when you buy something, you should own that something, right? We, we think it's ridiculous that so many of our compatriots in this space are selling these expensive NFTs that cost hundreds to thousands of dollars and legally you actually have no right over it, right? We, we think that is absolutely ridiculous. If you're spending $2,000 on something, you should have the right to use that thing in however way you want, right? Like if I go to the store and I buy a chair, right? And then I want to film a movie and have that chair in that movie, I should have the right to do that, right? But the crazy thing in the NFT world is you don't, you absolutely don't. You buy an NFT chair, you don't have the legal right to, to film that chair in, in an NFT movie and then sell that movie. I, you know, that's just like, legally speaking, that is just ridiculous to me, right? And um, so that's our second product. And and eventually that will be your home in the future with with the with the VR, with the ability of you to invite your friends to your to your own individual space that, that uh, uh, contains state, which means if I hang up a painting in my room, it actually remembers that I hang up that painting in my room. If, if I place a, my chair on this corner, our system will remember that you placed your chair in this corner, right? So a real life uh, digital home inside the metaverse. And, and then uh, the third product that we recently auctioned, the auction ended on, on Saturday. It was absolutely a historic period of Solana history uh, was the governor's mansion. Whoever won the auction would become the ruler of Neonexus. We, we had two DAOs, which legally speaking is also extremely, extremely fascinating. The idea of DAOs while bidding against each other. And, uh, you know, one of them won uh, and, and it was uh, 1,050 sold uh, about $200,000. And, and they became um, uh, uh, the new rulers uh, of Neonexus. And it's a historic moment because this is the biggest sale and the biggest, well, I should say primary sale and the biggest auction that has ever, ever, ever happened on the entire blockchain. And it was achieved by us, right? A company that is only two months old. So, so that is what Neonexus is now. And I also uh, just previously said what Neonexus wants to be in sort of the two to 10 year uh, timeframe. And you can sort of uh, extrapolate <laughs> based on those two answers. Yeah. yeah, that's absolutely amazing. I think, uh, Megan, this is going to blow everyone on our course's minds to like even think about these uh, these kind of concepts. Um, so I think it's- um, Yeah, definitely. I think it's just because like, it branches into so many different areas of the law as well. It's just something that it's completely unprecedented, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. So I think like, um, thanks for that, Jack. I think uh, we'll probably just ask like a couple of like base questions as well, just for everyone. Like, um, like an NFT, what is it? It's a, we understand it's a non-fungible token, but what does that actually mean? And I think you touched upon it earlier uh, when you talked about the legal aspect of it. And in fact, I wasn't really aware about this like uh, copyright issue previously. I, I haven't touched upon it. So that's kind of news to me. So perhaps if you could just like talk about what, what that means, because I think that ownership thing is very important. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, uh, NFT is a terrible, terrible, terrible name, right? Somebody came up with that name, uh, a technical programmer probably someday in the past. And the idea is that it's a non-fungible token. So, so what does it mean to be a non-fungible token? Well, it basically means it's some sort of digital token uh, that is not fungible, right? So what, what does fungible mean? So fungible means that you can you can basically stack these things and, and they're all the same, right? So, so if I have one US dollar and I have another US dollar, right? There's no nothing unique or, or different between the two dollars, right? If I have a thousand US dollars in my bank account, there's no there's no idea of like, oh, the first US dollar in my bank account is different from the last US dollar in my bank account, right? So there's this idea of of, of, um, of being able to be stacked, like that, and, and being able to be split apart, right? You can have one tenth of the dollar, you can have one one thousandth of the dollar, and you can combine them together and, and get back a real dollar, right? So that's this idea of fungibility, and, and so like uh, fungibility is important in crypto, 
because uh, it's important to, to have fungibility as an important aspect of what makes money money, right? So, so Bitcoin is fungible, Ethereum is fungible. That's what allows you to use them, right? Like when, when I charge, like if I sell a piece of art and I want you to pay me one ETH, right? Which is the a currency of the Ethereum blockchain, then Ethereum needs to be fungible because you need to be able to take one ETH from your wallet and give me that ETH. And I need to be able to accept that. And there's no concept of like, oh, this ETH is not good enough. I actually want this other ETH, right? So this idea of fungibility means all the ETH are the same. They can be split apart and used, fractionized and everything else. So what does non-fungible mean? Well, non-fungibility basically just means that you can't stack them, right? So every single token or, or digital asset is, is unique in some sense. Uh, and that is a terrible name because to be perfectly honest with you, uh, you know, NFTs could be fungible, right? Like you, you can have assets that can stack, right? Like in the real world as well, like you can say, hey, you know, US dollars are, are, are fungible. You can stack them and split them and, and, and real life furniture chairs are not stackable. But then you realize, hey, but wait a minute, if I go to a classroom and I have a particular kind of chair, I can stack five of them. And maybe if I go to a classroom and I want to sit on it, I don't really care which of the five chairs I sit on. They all look the same, right? So NFTs is a terrible name. Like even though it has non-fungible in the name, like yes, you can have NFTs that are fungible. So so it's just a terrible name. Uh, you know, I, I think a better way to think about it is it's just a new, um, just like Bitcoin, Ethereum are, are sort of a new asset class, a, a new form of money in, in the world. I think you can think of NFTs as a new media class and a new form of art in the world that has never been seen before in, in history. And, and within the, the overwhelming, uh, overarching umbrella of NFTs is also the, um, let's just say they are as varied as real life art, right? So, so I'm gonna explain to you what that means, right? In real life, you know, what do you define art as? Well, when I when I watch a movie, that's art, right? When I look at a 3D model, that's art. When I look at a 2D painting, that's art. When I go when I go watch my friend dance in ballet, that's art. When I see a beautiful composition on a piece of paper where the, I don't even hear the music, but I see the composition, right? That's art, right? When I go hear music, that is art. But also when when I eat food and it's beautifully displayed on my plate, that is art. When I go inside a beautiful art deco building and I see the decoration of the stonework, that's art, right? So, so what does art mean? Well, art, it has these, all of these uh, varying definitions and some forms of art are, are more necessary than others, like food. Some forms are, are more useful than others, like a building, right? But they are all art, right? And inside the NFT space, what is an NFT? They are absolutely, absolutely as varied as real life art, if not more so, if not more so, right? Just, just like how different a film is to a ballet performance is to a piece of food, are the different forms of NFTs in the crypto space. And, and you know, without going into too much detail, it's hard to explain why that, that variability and, and sort of things exist. But, but sort of uh, one of the ways you can understand this is legally speaking, you know, I have talked to lawyers and stuff, you know, one of the most similar things to what an NFT is, is sort of like a title or a deed, which is sort of like yeah. this idea of there is something out there and this is just proof that you actually own it. But, but more than that, that you can actually have access to it and, and can use it in some way, right? So, so we can very easily uh, uh, completely, completely transition uh, the sort of the, the US uh, or, or you know, international sort of title and, and deed service, which is basically like, hey, you know, how, how do I make sure that I own the actual title and the deed to my piece of property and, and nobody else can claim that deed, right? You have all these like giant companies around the world that keep hundreds of years of records in order to do this. And it's terrible, right? Like, you know, we have had times in history where, where there's a fire in the village and, and, and the, the title, the, the paper deeds have burned. We have times when, yeah. when a corrupt uh, military coup has taken place and they claim that they own your farmland, even though it's been your family for hundreds of years, but all of a sudden it's theirs because you cannot prove that this deed owns to you, right? The, the traditional uh, uh, sort of world uh, of deeds and properties is terrible 
and crypto fixes this, right? Because what crypto does is we can literally have a, a public international agreed upon framework that basically guarantees history and guarantees uniqueness and guarantees there's only one uh, unique owner of that deed. And if we can apply that to homes, well, guess what? We can apply that to anything. We can apply that to art. We can apply that to horses. We can apply that to cars. We can apply that to buildings. But those are physical things, right? We can also apply that to purely digital goods. So we can apply that to purely digital art. We can apply that to purely digital music. We can apply that to digital experiences, but like golden tickets, we can apply that to, to membership passes or anything that you can imagine. And within the crypto space, uh, the, the possibilities are even greater than in the physical space because I, I can imagine something like a DeFi application, right? So, so what, what DeFi allows us to do is, is become market makers of our own. You know, I don't know how, how um, financially savvy your, your audience is, so, but for example, let's say I want to be my own stock exchange, right? I can't do that in the traditional world. I need to have my own bank and, and funding and trading desks and, and callers and all these things. That's much, much easier to do. Uh, uh, in, in the crypto world. And you could do something similar, which is be basically being this concept of a market maker. So that means, hey, let's say that, you know, I have USD and I have Euro and I want to create a market where I deposit, you know, uh, this amount of USD and this amount of Euro. And I want people to be able to use my USD and Euro to trade between each other. And I want to collect a fee, right? In the traditional world, that is almost impossible to do. You have to probably go through years of legal hoops and, and sort of uh, government regulations to achieve this. In, in, in the crypto space, you can do this in a second, right? In, in literally a second, right? And I have done this on Ethereum DeFi where, where you deposit these uh, different currencies and let people trade against each other. And guess what? That is an NFT. That is an NFT. Because what is happening is when you deposit, uh, you know, currency A and currency B uh, to sort of, uh, you know, provide this market for people to trade between currencies, what that application spits out back at you is sort of like this title or a deed, right? And this title of deed is telling you, hey, you Jack Shu or you Gavin, you are the owner of this amount of liquidity inside this contract. You are the owner of this amount of USD and this amount of Euro that has been deposited uh, you know, within this DeFi application. And when you return back to me, you can hand back this title or a deed, this NFT that shows ownership, and then it can spit out back to you the amount of funds that are left plus the amount of fees, and, and if, the, if the market um, was healthy, then you probably earned a decent amount. If the market was unhealthy in the sense that, you know, maybe USD and Euro conversion rates had, had a big price movement, then you might actually end up losing money, uh, you know, when, when people start, um, you know, selling the, the more worthless thing to you and buying the more uh, worthwhile thing from you, right? So, so you can also lose money by providing liquidity. But either case, DeFi and, and you know, um, um, uh, applications allowed to do use do this in, in seconds and in order to do that it uses the idea of an nft right which is a title of deed showing ownership of this so in that sense right you know in a DeFi sense these nfts they're not art they're not music they're not anything that, that you would think of as art in the, in the traditional world they're functioning purely as, as deeds and, and titles and guess what you know throughout the industry companies are doing this probably without you guys knowing so for example there's a company called song secure that basically uh basically provides blockchain secured um Proof that uh, that you are the original author of certain lyrics and certain songs, right? Completely on blockchain, uh, uh, um, and 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 there are uh, applications like Audius, which which allow you to have a fractionalized ownership of people's songs. So imagine that every time a song is streamed online, you actually get a percentage of that because you can prove that you own a percentage of that song. And there are so many other examples that I, I can go into, like tokenized cars, for example, and <laughs> so many more. But yeah, yeah I'm happy yeah. to answer the expression. Yeah, that's fantastic, Jack. That's really, really, really helpful. I think um, that's a really uh, good summary of everything for us. I think probably just have one last question, really. And I think what you've, what you've just uh, talked about has led us nicely into that. And that's this concept of smart contracts. 
because mm. uh, I understand that the smart contracts are kind of built into the computer code. Okay. Sorry, getting a, getting a lot of feedback there, Jack. Oh, let me your say it again. Yeah. Yeah. So I understand that the uh, the smart contracts uh, facilitate. I think it's like, as my understanding is, there's code which is built into these things called smart contracts, which kind of helps to self-execute all these kind of processes that you mentioned, whether it's like calculation of like uh, sums owed under on the DeFi side or on the NFT side, on the digital art side, let's call it that. Uh, it's kind of uh, the smart contract enables this kind of proof of ownership, uh, time stamped on the blockchain, all that kind of stuff. So perhaps you can just explain what that smart contract is and what it could potentially mean for like future and legal terms and stuff. Uh, sure. Yeah. So, so yeah, you know, you know, I think you basically have the right idea, right? So, so, uh, but, but, but the details are uh, a smart contract. It's just a type of technology. It's a type of program. It's a type of code, but the special thing about smart contracts is that they can be executed on the blockchain and, and they can theoretically be executed without any sort of human or, or manual intervention. And they can, you know, in some way, literally just live inside the blockchain, right? You know, and we haven't talked about blockchain today, and, and maybe we aren't going to because that could be a 15-minute explanation itself. Uh, but, but essentially, you have this sort of um, decentralized uh, global network uh, that exists and that everybody agrees upon. Uh, and it's sort of, um, and then these smart contracts can execute against that and live within that. And, and I'll tell you what that means. So, for example, you know, in, in sort of the traditional world, if I had to... Um, What's a good example? Let's say that I, I wanted to to write a program, and every time that the um, uh, let's say the program is a sports betting program, and it kind of counts or related to, to sports, and every time that LeBron James uh, gets a point in a basketball match, it, it sends out a tweet right that says, "Hey, LeBron James just scored a two pointer or a three pointer or one point uh, shooting a foul shot," right? So I, I can write that program in the traditional world. Right, and it needs some way of knowing when LeBron James has shot his shot, and maybe it takes in as an API, as input data from one of the official uh, sports uh, uh, sort of uh, data sellers. And, and trust me, there are a lot of them. There are literally many of these people literally sitting live in, in these arenas and, and inputting this information into their devices to track these uh, points live because it is used by by multi-million dollar. Uh, you know, trading sports betting applications, right? So there's a demand for this data. So you get that data in into your traditional real life program. It runs and every time you get that input, it sends out a tweet, hey, LeBron James just scored some points, right? So that's a program that you can execute in real life, right? But we can also execute this on the blockchain, right? As long as this API is available, then we can have a, a, a smart contract read that API as long as the interfaces are, are built and it can do something that is quite magical, which is uh, to do something without human intervention, uh, you know, without governmental approval outside of the control of, of any foreseeable law, you know, you know, and, and, and sort of do something crazy. Like, for example, let's say every time that LeBron James sinks a shot, this contract sends, uh, you know, $100 from one wallet to, to another wallet, right? Like we can do that and it can be automatic, completely automated. And, and more than that, it will be completely public because uh, these smart contracts are existing on the blockchain. You can't look at the code, uh, you know, in, 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 in a lot of ways, and you can verify that it actually does what, what, what people say that it does, right? And then, and then you can say something, hey, every time that LeBron James uh, scores a point in, in this match, 
I'm going to send you, the smart contract is going to send you $100. And there's no entity behind that, right? There's no company behind that, right? There's nobody to sue. There's nobody to arrest. It just simply exists on the blockchain. And then, you know, maybe the, the way that this contract makes money is it says, hey, you know, if you want to play this game, right, maybe you have to uh, just hypothetically, let, let's say you have to give me $2,000 into the smart contract. And if you do, then during this game, whenever LeBron James scores a point, I'm going to give you a hundred bucks back, right? So if LeBron James scores more than two, 20 points, then you make money. If LeBron James scores less than 20 points in this match, you lose money. And, and back and forth, it's all crypto, it's all automated, it's all in the smart contract. And so this is a DeFi application that somebody can literally write and execute, and it can live on the blockchain as a smart contract. And, and it's not running on any single computer. It's not running on any server. You know, there's no computer or server you can go to to shut this down. There's no single person or entity or company that is in charge of this that you can sue or arrest. This is just simply something that, that lives you know, as, as its own entity within the, the sort of uh, ecosystem and the sort of um, universe uh, of the crypto sphere. And, you know, in some ways, this is extremely, extremely scary to governments and to some legal professionals. And in other ways, we're excited by it, right? Because, because I think this opens the door to, to a future of trustless applications where, where I, I don't need to trust you, the company, is going gonna, is gonna to give me my money back. Or if I win a bet, you're actually going to pay me, which requires trust and reputation and, and all these things. Whereas I can actually just trust a smart contract. I can look at the code and I can have uh, expert uh, developers and programmers look in the code. And then we can all agree as a community that this open source piece of code is trustworthy. And, and then we can just use that, right? And, and because it executes on the smart contract, you know, in a lot of ways, it's also out of the reach of governmental control. In a lot of ways, it's also international. And the other beautiful thing about that is, is you can't be biased. You can't discriminate, right? Because there's nobody to discriminate against, right? Like you can't say, hey, I'm not going to open a bank account for you because you're African-American and, and, and you don't have a lot of salary, right? Within the DeFi world, yeah. it doesn't know who you are. It doesn't know where you are. It doesn't know your age. It doesn't know your gender. It doesn't know your nationality. And so within this, this crypto world, we're seeing this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful non-discriminatory nature where, where there's not even the possibility of bias. And so th there's just so many beautiful uh, possibilities that come out of the smart contracts. Well, that's really amazing, Jack. We're actually really studying a lot of this stuff at the minute. So that's that's brought up a lot of things which uh, Megan and I can have a look at actually after the, well, not tonight, but uh, like in the rest of the course, it's um, all this stuff about bias uh, in the code and algorithms and everything. So I, I, that's like really, really fascinating. Um, I think, uh, I think that's enough for us, Jack, because I mean, actually I could happily sit here and talk to you for another two hours or so, but um, we're only um, we're only like uh, trying to find out for the purposes of this uh, exercise, like a bit more about NFTs and metaverse and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we, we've covered absolutely everything. So it's absolutely amazing. Um, Megan, I don't know if you've got any questions, but I think, I think that's mm -hmm. us. No, thank you so much, Jack. That was, uh, that was brilliant to something that I suppose me and Gavin have you know, very limited knowledge on in comparison to yourself. So it's brilliant to find out, you know, somebody who's actually involved in a project like that, you know, how you're going about things, you know, looking at the legality sides of it and just, you know, your expert knowledge in it as well. So, you know, you've covered everything. Thank you so, so much. Yeah, no, no, thank you for, for letting me uh, talk. This is something that clearly I'm, I'm deeply, deeply passionate about. And, and you know, the, the, the reason that, you know, I, I dropped out of a, uh, 
massage therapy and physical therapy um, program is, is because, you know, I realized that this path that my life was taking, which was to, to sort of try to reach as many people as possible, to make a positive impact on, on as many people's lives as possible, and, and to sort of build a, as better a future as possible. And, and it seems clear to me now that this is the path that I can get there. This is the way I can impact the most amount of people. This is, this is the way that I can do the most good in the world, uh, both in running my company, but also onboarding new users onto Solana, as well as educating people outside of crypto, right? Because, you know, if Solana, if technology, if crypto is NFT, is the technology of the future, then we need to onboard the next billion people onto Solana, right? How do we do that except through education, except through uh, exposure and, you know, may maybe Gavin and you become uh, advocates of this. And then all of a sudden you're telling your friends and your family, right? This is, this is how it spreads, right? Like, you know, I, I personally don't have enough reach to do this, right? So I, I need to, I need to reach people and those people need to reach people and those people need to reach people. That, that's how we onboard the next billion people uh, on, onto this ecosystem. You know, I, I've never had a chance where, you know, nowadays when I give a talk, sometimes there's like 50 to 350 li people listening to me live, right? We have a Discord people, uh, a server of 15,000 fans, you know, I'm, I'm sure not all of them read, but, but still like, even if, 3,000 of them are, are reading what I'm writing, right? This, this amount of impact is just massive and not something I could have achieved in my earlier careers. Uh, on top of that, you know, we haven't accepted any uh, sort of equity stake uh, by any shareholders that gives me full control to do with my funds what I want to do. And, and what do we want to do? Well, with every project that we launch, we want to donate to charity, right? And, and in the future, we want to, we want to uh, spin up an entire nonprofit charity wing that will be in charge of all of these things. You know, I, I want to host golden ticket parties around the world, right? Imagine the next time I go to Africa for a golden ticket party. At the same time, we talk about, maybe host a golden ticket party next to a school that we help fund, right? So, so that is the future that I want to build. Yeah. To, be, to be perfectly honest with you, right? Like, like my, my, my project, my company, right? That stuff doesn't matter. Right. Like what, what matters in the short term is I need Solana ecosystem to be healthy because I believe this is the technology of the future and the long term. I want to save the world. I want to do as much good as I can to do in the world. You know, that is what's going to make me happy when one day I'm lying in bed and, you know, I'm about to pass away. Right. Like I'm going to look back in my life. You know, did I really do everything that I could to to, to make the world a better place? And I, I want to be able to say yes to that question. Yeah. No, Amazing. that's that's inspirational, Amazing. Jack. Thank you so much. And uh, I think it's so interesting the activism side um, of everything because I hear I think a lot of the time we hear of cypherpunks and you know their creations of cryptocurrency and the blockchain and stuff, and we kind of forget about the fact that they did it with really really good intentions, rather than I think a lot of these ill-founded arguments that it's all to do with criminality. Mm -hmm. So to be able to touch on that activism side of things is just it's it's so important, doesn't it? You know, I would definitely agree that you know the potential, like even when you're saying you know you can go over and fund, you know, these people in Af Africa and, you know, build a school. I suppose also in countries where, you know, they're under dictatorships and stuff as well, like the blockchain and, and NFTs and being able to maybe even pass messages through NFTs, that's something that is, you know, also very possible. So yeah, you're right. It's endless possibilities and for the benefit of others rather than for, you know, the negative of others. So. Guys, guys, I'm sorry to interrupt now. I've got a, I'm getting, I'm in a private room here in the library in uh, Queens and I have to leave. So, my time is up. Uh, Jack, I'm going to have to cut this short now. And um, thank, thank you very you so much, much again, Jack. Uh, for joining <laughs> right, us. Have a good one. Um, are you, Jack, are you able to send this recording across to me and uh, I can take yes. it from there? Or? Yeah, I'll send you the recording. Yes. Yeah, fantastic. Really appreciate it. Jack, I'll, I'll catch up with you later. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Jack. Bye. Thank you. See bye. you. Bye.